When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, and as always, with me is our WHL expert, Liz Child. In today's episode, we'll look at the standout players from the Dub at the recent World Junior Championship. We'll run over the insane WHL trade deadline, touch on the Florida Panthers as our NHL Team of the Week, and of course, we'll check in on our good friend Connor Bedard after his record-breaking star turn at the World Juniors. Happy New Year, Liz. Uh, how are your holidays? Uh, pretty good. I didn't do too much. We had a New Year's Eve game, and then we were right back at it, I think, on the 4th, so... Stayed pretty busy out here with the Barracuda. Um, and of course, it was a nice little break with the WHL getting some time off. But of course, we went straight into World Juniors. So <laughs> not too much. Um, how was your holidays and New Year? Uh, pretty similar, to tell you the truth. Um, I had some writing assignments that needed to get handled. And, uh, you know, the all day, every day World Juniors is uh, is all is just I love it. And uh, I always go through withdrawal once it's over, like the day after the gold medal game, I get up at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm like, why is there not hockey on? <laughs> exactly. Hockey all day, every day, 365 days of the year. I kind of enjoyed the August tournament. Call me crazy. It was like fun to have hockey in August. Um, so let's from there go straight into uh, World Juniors. Uh, your, your thoughts overall on the tournament. Did it turn out the way that you thought it would? Um, well, no. So if anybody read the uh, article that Tony Ferrari put out, just where he pulled all of the uh, THN, you know, juniors and everyone just kind of who talks about it. Um, I, clearly, I only partially knew what I was talking about. Um, I did have Canada winning the gold medal game, but I had USA and Czechia flipped, uh, which I'm actually not upset about because if anyone knows me, they know I was rooting for Czechia. So it's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a fantastic tournament. It was a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, we had some really exciting games to, to focus on. Um, um, yeah, I, um, it, I thought it was fantastic to see the Czechs make it all the way to the gold medal game and to medal for the first time in a while. And even though it felt like a surprise, I feel like the, the writing was kind of on the wall uh, that, that they were primed for this with so many returning players, including a certain, uh, a certain goaltender whose tires you like to pump. Yes. So, I mean, we are using this as our three stars segment, um, but we're going to start with the third star of which we have two this week because uh, I do have to talk about Logan Stankoven, who is on this list partially because I had him picked as my player of the game or player of the tournament uh, MVP. I was like fully just like, yes, Logan Stankoven. And while he had a fantastic tournament, he was not the tournament MVP. Uh, but you know, he came back last night to to Kamloops and said, okay, well, I'm going to pick up, you know, a goal and four assists in my first game back. So it's fine. Uh, had a fantastic outing, but looked great for Team Canada. Did exactly what we all wanted him to do. Uh, but then also, you know, you have to look at a guy and our other third star is Chaz Lucius for Team USA. Uh, I, you know, he's not a WHL guy, but he is now 
a WHL guy. Uh, <laughs> he's joining the Portland Winter Hawks, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But you know what? Fantastic outing. He looked great for Team USA. I can't wait to see what he does in the dub. Um, but then our second star, as you said, goaltender, I have to pump Tomas Sukanek even higher. <laughs> outstanding performance you know he looked great at the summer tournament everyone was like oh man where did this goaltender come from he looks phenomenal he came back in december and was like oh you thought i looked good then let me show you what i can do now and you know what he went on a run they were i know that he was a little bit bummed that they missed out on that bronze medal but to come back and pull off a silver in a crazy gold medal game you have to love that for him and just be really excited and just, you know, he'd probably turn a lot more heads than over the summer where everyone was kind of like, okay, this goaltender is good, but let's see a little more. He came back and did it again. So can't wait to see what happens over this year. Um, of course, our first star who we don't have to get into right now, because again, we will be talking about him later in the show, <laughs> Connor Bedard. I mean, outstanding performance at the world juniors, uh, He's setting records. He's doing everything you want him to do. He had 23 points with nine goals and 12 assists in the tournament. <laughs> what can you say about Connor Bedard that has not already been said? But again, we will be saying it later. So, <laughs> Well, I kept thinking about you as Bedard got up to all his tricks throughout the tournament for two reasons, actually. I got two, two quick stories. One was um, probably the seven-point game when I just could hear your voice in my head saying, I keep feeling like he could do more. <laughs> and I was like, Why was not 10? Why was wasn't seven, it a 10 was point seven, game? Was seven adequate? No, you want 10? You, you still want more. Double digits, Connor. Like up to your standards when he got those 13 points in two games that maybe <laughs> he finally satisfied Liz's, Liz's needs. Um, and then the other quick story was um, I was recalling the tale that you told me about him uh, practicing with Matt Barzal when he was very young. Um, when the New York Islanders came through town last week, I guess. And uh, so the Islanders were here the day after he scored that overtime game winner against uh, against Slovakia to advance them. And I got a chance to talk to Barzal after the game. And so uh, I was able to ask him if he had been able to text with uh, with Connor and, and, and say something about the goal. And he said that uh, he basically just said that was really special and you're really special kind of thing. And... His, his whole face lit up when he was talking about Bedard. So it was really nice to see the, the, the mutual respect between those two players and a guy that's so established now in the NHL is, is just as blown away by Bedard as the rest of us. Um, and uh, he, um, oh, he, he said that, yeah. And they, I was like, you guys text all the time. What do you talk about? He's like, we have good banter. And I'm like, that's that's amazing. I just I, I love the visual of of those two texting back and forth, like him on his plane with the Islanders or whatever, and, and Connor Bedard on his bus with the Regina Pats, and them like chatting about whatever it is that elite hockey players talk about when we're not around. I love that. No, I, I honestly every time I think about that, I'm just thinking about the fact that Connor Bedard was playing with guys like Matt Barzell, and he had guys like Martin Jones and Nett like over the summer when he was like 14, 15 years old, <laughs> he's yeah. just been taking shots on them and keeping up this entire time. Like that's insane, but also not surprising in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to quickly mention some of the other players from the dub that had great tournaments. I felt like we were so well represented at world juniors this year. 
um, whether it was Thomas Millich stepping up um, when called upon and getting that gold medal for Canada and goal, um, Dylan Gunther's golden goal for Canada. Like these are not low profile moments that these guys are having. I loved that um, Connor Bedard's teammate from Regina, Stanislav Stozel, was um, you know up against yes. Bedard in the gold medal game. And Stozel had some swag when he was talking about the whole situation and what he was like, you know, expecting from his team and stuff. He was right in it for a chance to win right through to the end. I thought that was super cool. Um, I was also just devastated to see um, Samuel Hanzek from the Giants get injured early in the tournament. Um, you know, I was very excited when Bob McKenzie started talking him up and saying that he might be a potential first round draft choice this year. I guess the good news is that it's not an Achilles injury, but it was a skate cut to the leg. So um, they're sort of talking that maybe he'll be back, you know, later in the season, perhaps in time for playoffs, something along those lines. So um, wishing uh, Samuel Honzek all the best for sure. Um, anybody else that I'm that I'm forgetting that I'm overlooking that uh, did the dub proud? I mean, just kind of because we're going to be talking about it, you know, Olin Zellweger doing his job and being exactly the Olin Zellweger I think that everyone wanted him to be going into the tournament, uh, representing. You know, we have, and I mean, Dennis Williams as the coach being there, you know, absolutely standing out. I think among the coaches there, um, which is kind of impressive just for the sake of everyone was basically at the top of their game at this tournament. There was no no real expected teams that were expected to do well who kind of struggled. It was one of those, everyone just kind of came and did everything. And Dennis Williams showed why he was leading the way for Team Canada. Um, and I feel like we talk about the players a lot, but I think the coaches deserve some recognition as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, that did cross my mind earlier today too. And I thought what the really impressive thing that he did was regrouping that team after they lost their first game. Like with the amount of, um, you know, negativity that was surrounding the team and the questions surrounding the team after they dropped that first game against the Chucks um, to where we ended up, you know, huge credit to the uh, to the coach for that. And I will respond to the Owen Zellweger part, secondly, because it's a perfect segue to our next segment, which is, of course, uh, Tuesday's WHL trade deadline. Um, Zellweger, of course, was traded a couple of days before that, but uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you and let you run down the uh, madness, mayhem. I don't even have like <laughs> enough of a chaotic word for this. <laughs> That's exactly it. I've been talking about it as the WHL trade deadline chaos. Um, and honestly, yes, it did start. I believe it was Sunday with Olin Zellweger and Ryan Hofer being traded from the Everett Silvertips to the Kamloops Blazers um, for Hamill, Pierce, sorry, I'm like trying to read these names, and Backer as well as Inglot, and four first-round picks and another six picks, with one being conditional. I'm sorry, but you're getting at most 14 pieces for two players. Um, Olin Zellweger alone probably commanded a lot of that, but then Ryan Hofer is also a fantastic player um, that Kamloops is being able to add to that, that depth, that insane roster that they already had before acquiring Zellweger and Hofer. Um, it's just one of those, I think everyone who saw that trade come out, there wasn't a single person who was like, oh yeah, no, that's like a completely normal thing. Every single <laughs> response was, what on earth just happened? Um, you know, there was I there was some rumors about a different player being involved. There was some rumors about this and that, but you know, it's like whatever it comes down to, you're getting 10 draft picks and four players for Olin Zellweger and Ryan Hover. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Four first round picks. Cam Loops really said, here, take it. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll deal with that later. Um, certainly in some of the conversation, of course, um, Kamloops is hosting the Memorial Cup this year. So that's what this is all about, is making sure that they ice the best possible team for their, their hometown crowds. And, uh, you know, clearly they are in it to win it with, uh, with this big move. Um, I heard someone suggesting that um, the writing was sort of on the wall, that this was going to be the MO for the Blazers. Just considering how they kept Stankoven in Kamloops this year, instead of letting him go to the other team that Tom Gillardi owns, which is the Dallas Stars. And uh, and I guess the Texas Stars as well, because that affiliation is all sort of in place. So, But he's too young to go to the Texas Stars. So never mind. Forget. Scratch that whole thought. Um, but it would, would have been Dallas or bust. I don't think that it was bad for um, for Stankoven to stay in Kamloops this year. I think, you know, and again, for him to have had another great world juniors experience and be dominating at the junior level, I think has been great for him. Do you, do you agree? I do. Honestly, I think that Logan Stankoven is probably one of those guys who benefited from getting that extra year in juniors. Uh, I, I feel like we've always talked about, he's not the biggest guy while he does play a lot bigger than he is. He's not the biggest guy. So for him to just kind of get a little more of that confidence, a little more of that positive play, and obviously a run at the Memorial Cup, like a guaranteed run with a phenomenal roster, isn't going to hurt anybody. Um, so it's just one of those, while it would have been cool to see him with Dallas this year, it's just not necessary. Um, and for his own development, I think that Dallas would have been great, but honestly, how much would he have been used on this Dallas roster just because he still has stuff to learn. I mean, he's fantastic, obviously. I can't talk enough good stuff about him, but it's just one of those, you have to consider the ice time, you have to consider you know, what he would bring to that Dallas roster versus what he can get out of this experience now. Yeah, and I think even with Dallas being as good as they are this year too, that probably might have held him back even a, a little bit more in terms of opportunity that he might have been able to get with the uh, with the Stars. Now, with Kamloops pushing in all their, their chips like they have, it, uh, it made me wonder what happens if they win the dub as well, if they win the WHL title, because normally we have the winners of the three leagues and then the Memorial Cup host as our four-team tournament. So I'm guessing they're not going to go down to a three-team tournament. So uh, what happens if the Blazers also happen to be the WHL champions? Yeah, so whoever they face in the the, the final for the WHL championship uh, would be that next team in. Uh, so as much as I'm almost hoping that that does happen, just because then we'll, we'll know no matter what, we'll be like, okay, cool. This is the team that's going. These are the two ahead of time. I'm actually hoping, and I, I, you know, Kamloops can take this however they want, but that maybe they, they take it a little bit easier and let the other team kind of duke it out a little bit more amongst themselves, uh, because, they don't have to go all in as much as it would be nice to go in on a winning streak. I mean, we saw last year St. John got knocked out and they came back and won the tournament and you never know. Sometimes that little bit of extra rest kind of does, does wonders for you heading into the Memorial cup. Uh, but at the same time, it would be interesting to see. Cause I mean, Seattle and Portland kind of duking it out. It's not obviously not going to be for the, the final, but <laughs> whoever gets there. Who knows at this point, uh, honestly, but it's really exciting to see. Yeah, I do want to touch on on winners and losers after the trade deadline and kind of where everybody is stacked up. But um, we've got only about like 800,000 more trades to get to. So uh, let's let's whip through these quickly. You can highlight some of the other big deals from some of the other major movers. 
Yeah. Well, so as part of that deal, uh, Everett got Drew Inglot um, in the trade for or in the trade of Olin Zellweger. Uh, Inglot then got flipped to. Um, now my brain is is blanking here. Uh, he got flipped. I believe it. I believe it was to Brandon. Uh, right now, for some reason, I don't have it in my notes. But anyway, Drew Inglot got moved again, and I'm actually or Saskatoon. He's a Sasky boy. Um, there you go. He got flipped again, and I'm very excited for him to. Her, he's excited to kind of be closer to home. Uh, I was excited to see him in Everett, so when his name was part of that trade, I was like, awesome. And then they flipped him, and I went, eh, okay, well, then they got some pieces back. Um, they also traded with Portland to acquire goaltender Donovan Bodnar, who I have seen at Neely Cups. He got a little bit of time with Portland where we just got to see him, what he can do, and I think he's going to be an outstanding goaltender. Everyone already knows Everett's goaltending system is consistently phenomenal. Um, so I can't wait to see what he does there. And hopefully we get to watch him thrive and he comes to the WHL next season. Okay. Um, Just a quick insert here. Uh, Drew Englot, Swift Current. Swift. There we go. I knew okay. it was one of the S yeah. that sat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why that's not in my notes here. I just have his name written down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but I appreciate right. that. Uh, speaking, though, of Saskatoon and, and yeah, all of that, uh, Jake Chason, uh, the Edmonton Oilers prospect, got moved to the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, kind of an interesting move. Didn't really see it happening. But also Saskatoon, I feel like we haven't talked about enough on this podcast. We talked about, like, Austin Elliott plenty. But as a team, Saskatoon has been kind of rolling. And I think they might be one of those dark horses that are kind of like, I mean, we're still here in case you forgot. They kind of were like Portland. They didn't do a lot at the trade deadline, but they did acquire a big piece. Can't wait to see what they do. I am terrified that they're just going to show up in like the, the championship and just be like, hi, how's it going? Mm -hmm. um, kind of moving on from that, uh, Seattle Thunderbirds uh, have been making massive trades all season. They already got Luke Prokop. They got Nolan Allen. And then what do they do? They go out and acquire the, the WHL rights for Dylan Gunther. And whether or not he shows up, that's a huge acquisition. Uh, they did give away a lot in the process, um, so kind of taking a gamble. But if he does show up, that is a massive, massive addition to the Seattle roster. Uh, and I don't think anyone is fully prepared for what that could mean. Yeah. Uh, however, um, just, yeah. And, and just to mention, while we have seen a lot of junior eligible players returning to their junior teams after World Juniors, Gunther is back in Arizona. He's already played two games with the Coyotes and the Coyotes have no need to win games. So his um, opportunity to stay in the NHL is probably a lot different than a lot of the other teams. So like you said, I, I'm, I'm fascinated that they gave up so much um, and, uh, and, and I wonder if it's just kind of the arms race thing that when you see like Seattle made those other big moves early and then they see other teams starting to load up and they're like, we have to do one more thing. <laughs> Well, that's not the only thing that they did, though, is also, I mean, Colton Doc, yes, he got injured again in the World Juniors, uh, and I think this is like his third injury this season, so it's a little bit of a back and forth right now with Colton Doc. However, the Seattle Thunderbirds were like, hold on, <laughs> we need someone else, too, and they went out and acquired Colton Doc. Uh, I am very excited for this trade. Um, if he comes back and plays anytime soon, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Doc's 
I feel like everyone understands a f- fantastic player uh, who, again, is going to be a, an incredible uh, like addition to the Seattle Thunderbirds roster that really probably didn't need anything else uh, kind of thrown in. But Seattle said we're all in this season, and somehow uh, I'm not too concerned about their future either. They still have a lot of guys, younger guys on their roster who are going to be back. Uh, they can trade different pieces, different picks to pick up you know, picks, players, prospects, like whatever they need. I'm not actually too concerned, which I feel like is a little weird considering how much they've given up recently. Um, But on the flip side of that, a team that didn't really have to give up anything this year is the Portland Winterhawks. Granted, they did trade Dawson Pasternak to the Brandon Wheat Kings, which broke my heart, but uh, I can live with it. You know, good for him. He went out and got an assist in his first game with Brandon. So we're we're moving on from that. they didn't have to give up anything because they got Chaz Lucius from the Manitoba Moose, the Winnipeg Jets system. They said, all right, World Juniors is over. You had a phenomenal tournament. Now go play for Portland. <laughs> so uh, they don't have to give anything up, and they're getting a first-rounder who's already played a bunch of professional games and looks phenomenal. Uh, just came off a, an incredible tournament at World Juniors. Uh, honestly, Probably one of the best acquisitions. Granted, the Seattle Thunderbirds also got Brad Lambert in the same way uh, because Winnipeg literally said, all right, you guys are going down to juniors and you guys are going to have incredible rosters to play with. Um, But yes, so I think personally, the Chaz Lucius edition is probably by far, if we want to talk about winners and losers of this trade deadline, they didn't have to trade anything. They didn't have to do anything. Uh, Portland wins because they didn't have to give up anything for that. Uh, signing um however on the flip side of that they did trade to acquire the whl playing rights of ozzy weisblatt who is currently here with my san jose barracuda they gave up three picks but they're all conditional so again if if weisblatt does not go down and play portland doesn't lose anything so it's not that big of a deal Uh, uh, i was gonna say unlike dylan gunther who Seattle's still going to be losing some picks just for that trade. Um, granted, I do believe there is a couple of conditionals in there as well, but they're still losing something, whereas Portland just said, if he comes, he comes. Yeah, and for the time being, Weisblatt is staying with the Barracuda, right? <laughs> as far as we know. All right, let's uh, let's hit up the uh, Vancouver Giants, and then uh, we can quickly cover some more on the winners and losers from the deadline. Yeah, so the Vancouver Giants made us probably, to me, the most surprising trade that I wasn't really expecting to see his name out there um, as much as maybe I thought if he was going that others would also be going. Uh, but Zach Ostopchuk got traded from the Vancouver Giants, and from what I heard, it was one of those, uh, hey, we want him. The Vancouver Giants said, okay, well, if you want him, you have to give us this, 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 and this. And uh, Winnipeg said, okay, sure. They called the bluff. They said, we will pay it. You can have these, all of these pieces. And Vancouver said, okay, <laughs> sure. Uh, they, I don't think anyone was expecting, fully expecting him to move because Vancouver is kind of up and down as it feels like they've been all season. I feel like they still had, you know, that, hey, we have a chance. We can keep going with this. Um, but one, Zach Ostopchuk getting that opportunity with one of the top two teams in the WHL. Uh, and then also just, for Vancouver, being able to get some pieces that they can use for the future, 
you know, it, it worked out for both teams. Again, it's not one of those, oh, this was a very lopsided trade. It's just one of those, I don't think that we were fully expecting this. Yeah, I was very surprised by it. And, you know, the word around here is that the Giants are still saying, we didn't do this because we don't consider ourselves contenders. We still want to go in the playoffs and see what we can do. And obviously they upset some, you know, some apple carts in last year's playoffs with that kind of mentality. So maybe they can do it again. I was wondering how much of it might've been related to Hanzek's injury and, and them just thinking that that really depleted their, their chances a lot more than, um, than they wanted. And, and that might've made them a little bit more amenable to a deal. But again, as you say, you know, they get a great return. Ostopchek gets a great opportunity. It's disappointing in this marketplace to lose the Vancouver Giants captain at this juncture, but it is what it is, I guess. Um, and they did name a new captain. So Ty Thorpe has been named, I believe, the 20th yes. captain in Vancouver Giants history. So yeah. congrats to Ty. Um, that's exciting, but it, it was still you know, on the back of a trade that I think was just a shocker. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we've pretty much covered the, uh, the the winners and losers. Do you have any other quick thoughts on, uh, on, on who might have made out better or worse than expected at this deadline? Um, I think, I mean, it's been talked about the, the Victoria Royals uh, not really making any moves at the deadline. Kind of shocking just because you have guys like Gannon LaRock, you have guys like Braden Sherman, uh, Tanner Scott, who I think all could have been moved, probably could have gotten some nice returns. It wasn't necessary. Victoria's starting to kind of pick up their pace and win some more games, uh, especially with LaRock being back. That's a huge like get for him being back. Um, but it's just one of those, sometimes you don't really know what Victoria's up to and you're like, ah, are you rebuilding? Are you staying like put? Are you fine? Like what's going on? Uh, I think they could have done more. I don't think it's the worst option for them, but I think, you know, LaRock probably could have done a lot for another team and been a big piece in, in a, in a deep run, but it is what it is. Um, and who knows? Uh, I've been saying it all season. They're like, maybe Victoria randomly pulls something off, sneaks into playoffs and then just kind of goes, Oh, by the way, we're going to, we're going to pull a Vancouver giants last year and just kind of <laughs> go a little further than anyone was expecting. So um, you still have suspicion that they might end up being a dark horse after all this. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's leave the trade deadline in the rear view until 2024, or at least uh, until the fall of 2023. Everybody is where they will be mostly for the uh, foreseeable future. So we'll move on to our NHL team of the week, uh, the Florida Panthers this week, as we continue our trek through the Atlantic division. So we've got uh, a couple of Panthers picks who are still in the AHL and a couple who are in the minor league system right now. Yeah, so uh, right now in the WHL, the Florida Panthers have Merrick Alsher with the Portland Winter Hawks, a defenseman. Uh, he actually was just at World Juniors with Chechia. I don't think he he really did too much, but he was one of those players where if they needed him, he was there, he was ready. Um, he's been fantastic with Portland for the past couple of seasons. Um, I really enjoy watching him play. Clearly, the Florida Panthers did as well. They picked him in 2022 in the third round at 93rd overall. Um, he has... Uh, six goals and five assists in 28 games with Portland this season. Um, he's one of those guys I don't know what Florida does with their defensemen when they get them at camp, but they get them at camp and send them back to juniors, and they look great. So <laughs> I'm excited to keep doing that, uh, especially when they're Winterhawks picks. Uh, and then they also have Swift Current's Josh Davies, 
um, who also, everything I've seen from him, he's just a phenomenal kid, let alone his hockey. Uh, but he was also drafted in 2022. He was in the sixth round, 186th overall. He has 10 goals and eight assists in 30 games this season. So he's having himself a good season as well. I know he had a hat trick earlier this year. Um, he's had some good games lately. I think he's on like a three-game point streak right now. So I enjoy watching him play. He's one of those guys that's just really exciting, I think, um, to kind of be like, okay, he was a later round, but what can he do You know, coming up in the future? Um, Perfect. And then, of course, in their AHL system, because we enjoy talking about all of our guys who have moved on, uh, they have Justin Sordiff, who Vancouver Giants longtime player who went to Edmonton for their run last year. Um, he was a 2020 over or 2020 pick, uh, third round, 87th overall. You're going to see a lot of consistency. I think the Florida Panthers like picking WHL guys in the third round. Um, <laughs> he has four goals and seven assists in 28 games with the Springfield Thunderbirds this season. He looks fantastic. I just thought about the fact that I don't have Joel Hofer on here as a uh, Springfield guy, but he is uh, not. That's why he's not with the Florida, Florida Panthers. Panthers. He's with the St. Louis Blues. He played right. with last year because <laughs> uh, all of the affiliate switching keeps me going back and forth. My brain said Springfield and said, hmm. Uh, he's not there anymore. Never mind. Uh, John okay. Ludwig, also a Portland defenseman who, again, went to camp for the Florida Panthers after his draft year in 2019, came back to Portland and basically had the best season of his entire career. It looked phenomenal. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries since leaving the Winterhawks, but he has one goal and five assists in 17 games with the Springfield Thunderbirds with the Springfield Thunderbirds this season. Uh he was drafted in 2019, the, the 69th pick overall, another third rounder. <laughs> he looks, you know, from everything I watched with him in Portland, he's looked phenomenal. Um, so I'm hoping he does everything he's been doing continuously uh, this season. Uh, and uh, on the current Panthers roster list, uh, former dub guys, Radko Gudis going way, way back to the 2010 draft. And uh, Josh Mahara, who was drafted by Anaheim in uh, 2016. Um, so that's our NHL team of the week, the Florida Panthers. And now, drumroll please, the uh, moment you've all been waiting for. The weekly Connor Bedard watch is back, and he does not disappoint. He continues to absolutely warrant the uh, uh, inclusion of this segment every single week. So how's Connor doing this week, Liz? Well, he's had exactly one game back. Uh, since he left for World Juniors. So it's been over a month that he was gone. He's played one game and yet somehow picked up six points in the one game he was, he's was he been back for. Uh, four goals and two assists. So but clearly World Juniors did not hurt his WHL production. Uh, he has 70 points in 29 games, which at this point I feel like it's silly for me to keep saying it, uh, but I want more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he does have 11 points in his last two games with Regina, so maybe I should stop saying that. Um, but I'm not going to. Uh, next time we check in on him, I want him to have 80 points in 31 games or something. Uh, I don't really care as long as it's some silly number because it's Connor Bedard. So why not keep expecting more of him? Because clearly he can live up to it. He's at seven. I, I'm going to keep saying it. He has. 31 goals and 39 assists. He's averaging 2.41 points per game. And again, 70 points in 29 games. He hasn't even played a full 30 games. 
Um, I heard Ray Ferraro talking on his podcast this week because he holds the WHL goals record of all time with 108 goals in his season. And so they were philosophizing about uh, whether Bedard would be able to hit that 108 goals mark if he came back as like an 18 or 19 year old. We're kind of, he, they're giving it to him that he probably won't get there this year. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a giant hypothetical because the likelihood of Bedard being back in the dub next year is probably pretty minuscule. I don't know that I would take that one. I'm going to make a bold prediction and I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be very upset with me about this, but I'm sure we can clip it a million times and just make fun of me for the rest of my life. Uh, I say Connor Bedard is back in the WHL next year, just based on the fact that an NHL team is going to want to give him some time to build up some size. Uh, I, it's not the fact that I don't think he's ready or that he can compete, but I think it's the fact that they're just going to be like, we maybe just need you to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> just maybe. Um, Although... Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think his build is very similar to Jack Hughes. And you can argue that both ways, that um, maybe Jack could have used another year of development with the Devils before he got to the level that he's at now. Um, you know, but at the same time, when you get a phenomenal first overall pick like this, you kind of want him for all the PR reasons and to see how he'll do and all that. And I will also add that Matt Barzal will clip you on this because he did actually explicitly say, Looking forward to see what he can do in the NHL next year. So uh, you know what? Barzell's That's okay. That's fine. So uh, I'd like to see the uh, the uh, 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 you know head to head match between you two as you argue your points at some point as we go forward. That'd be pretty cool. Um, this week, Carter's <laughs> got two games on the agenda. The uh, Regina is at home, and I imagine they will have a lot of fans in the Brant Center to watch him as the Pats host uh, Saskatoon on Friday night and then Portland on Saturday, two very worthy opponents as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, keep it going from there. Um, I am just thrilled with uh, the ongoing drama of watching what Vidard is up to and can't wait to see him <laughs> here in uh, the lower mainland at the top prospects game in a couple of weeks. That's uh, very much circled on my calendar and I can hardly wait. Um, but that wraps up our uh content for this week we've got the trade deadline world juniors everything in the books thank you once again as always for making it to the end with us we always appreciate you tuning in whether it's on your uh, favorite podcast streaming platform on youtube or uh, wherever else we uh, love having you and uh, chatting about this wild crazy mayhem manic league and everything that's going on so from listening to me thanks again for tuning in uh, we look forward to chatting with you again next week